Hey, thanks for your company. I'm Deanna Fletcher, and on Height of Heart this week, I'm so excited because New York Times bestselling author Lisa Bevere joins me in conversation. She's a sought-after public speaker, a podcaster, hello, and the author of a list of really popular books, including Lioness Arising and Without Rival, just to name a few. Lisa Bevere and her husband John are the founders of Messenger International. And her new book is a first for Lisa. Lizzie the Lioness is available now from Tommy Nelson. What inspired you to write your first children's book? You know what? I thought, hey, I have been empowering mothers. I have been empowering daughters. Why would I not empower the children? And and then I had my third grandchild, which just happens to be a little girl named Lizzie. And I watched her. I watched how she was so frustrated that she couldn't do what Asher did, that she couldn't do what her big sister Sophia did. And I saw that she was just completely out of control. I think it was at a moment at a Christmas musical when I don't know why churches still think it's a good idea to hand out everybody a a lit candle. (laughs) <laughs> but we had fire in our hands, and Lizzie is, like, running up and down our little aisle, climbing over us, grasping for the fire, and we're like, okay, I thought, I'm, I'm going to have to just write a story about her. I'm going to have to let her know that it's actually okay to be small, it's okay to use your voice, and it's okay to ask for help. And you know what? A lot of people don't know, Deanna, is I actually fictionalized a true story. For this book, there was an account when I was writing Lioness Arising, I read this account that this little girl had been abducted in Ethiopia and her abductors had her out in the bush and a pride of lions came out, ran off her abductors, surrounded her and stayed with her until she was rescued. And I decided I'm going to make my out-of-control granddaughter the littlest lion in this pride, and she is going to find out that she's in a situation where she needs to find someone bigger. And so that was just kind of the inspiration, Lizzie, the true story, the fire at a church service, all of those things just kind of came together and it became a story. Well, I love it. The illustrations are so pretty. I've got a couple that I'm going to be giving to some young people in my life as well. I think it's a gift that definitely at Christmas time should be given. One of the quotes in the back of the book, if I can just touch on it, it writes, through Lizzie's adventures, children learn, you don't have to be the loudest to be brave. Now, I'm really loud. and I I've, am too. I, yeah, I've heard you <laughs> preach a number of times. Um, you're quite outspoken and I love that. So how do we balance that kind of, because I do feel like sometimes if you're naturally loud, it's fine. But if you're overcompensating as a woman to be heard, which is often the issue, how do we balance that out? Well, you know, I do think that when we are just loud to be loud or that what you're mentioning, the overcompensation of feeling like we're not heard and then yelling to be heard, I do think when we do that, we lose our ability to be heard by people because they're just going to only remember the loud. And I believe that we can be loud in a whisper. Like we can say something that has such weight to it. And I think as we get older, we realize I don't have to stand up and point my fingers to be heard. I, I can just stand. I can just stand. I can just stay. I can speak as a mother at this stage of my life, speaking as a grandmother, but actually being a voice for those who are voiceless. And again, women, I think, are coming into their own. But we have to remember as women that we actually develop courage in a community. 
And so we don't get mad at the men and say, why have you not given us our voice? We need to have our voice. We're taking our voice. Women, rise up. You know, and, and make the men the problem, because the men are not the problem, nor are they our answer. God is our answer, and so we have to be people who actually have this connection that boldness and courage and strength gets outworked in community, in connection, in accountability, in relationship, because there's a lot of people right now, Deanna, that have voice, and just because they have voice doesn't mean that they're saying the right things to the right people in the right way. And I think that all of those things come together. And, and for me, when I was writing Lizzie, I, I just, I, know, I have such a heart for young mothers. I remember thinking, I don't know if I'm going to survive. I don't know. You know, I had four little boys. I had three in five years, and then I had a bonus child. And I thought, okay, I am just for breeding. This is what I will do for my rest of my life, is I will raise a tribe of John Bevere little boys, and I just hope I live through the process, and I don't hurt any of my children, and everybody, you know, makes it to the other side safely. And I wasn't, I wasn't thriving as a mother. I was just barely surviving. And I had to, I had to shift my vantage. I had, to, I had to ask for help from God. I had to ask for help from some older women who were wiser and had already walked through that season with me. And, and I kind of was hoping that, you know, when I was, you know, having, having the mothers have conversations with their kids, that the moms would actually realize, hey, it's okay to not be independent, angry woman. It's okay to be interdependent and ask for help. Because our kids do not follow what we speak. They follow what we model. And if they never hear me ask for help, then they're not going to believe me when I say, oh, it's brave to ask for help when I'm acting all independent and never ask for help. It's true. And I feel like in my life, I've almost had to like relearn and sort of teach myself. Independence is great, but it only gets you so far. You have to be brave enough to ask for help. And then it's all about all about who you ask. Let me ask you then. What's your view on feminism? Because this is a word that's bantered around quite a lot, but you've spent a lot of years encouraging women and men as well. What does the word feminism represent to you? Well, you know, it's kind of morphed a lot over the years. And I think right now, I don't necessarily like what it represents. You know, I think when it first started, it started that it was talking about women having a voice, women having equal pay for equal work. It started, it was about women finding their place in the community of the world. And, hey, listen, we're the mothers, we're the daughters, we're the sisters, and, and we need to have voice, we need to have influence. But then it kind of went into the men are our enemy, you know, the men are our problem. And I felt like it morphed into if you want to be powerful as a woman, you need to act like a man. And I don't want to act like a man. I want to know what it is to be a powerful woman. And I think a lot of our gender confusion and problems has been because we have a culture that dishonors the men and sexualizes the women. And so when you dishonor men and sexualize women, and when women act like men, men start to act like boys. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not blaming the women. I'm just saying it's what happens. And so women need to actually really understand that there is a God-ordained authority on them as women. Because kind of the church says, you have no authority as a woman. You're just an uh, accessory to your husband or an accessory to the males in the church. And that's not, that's not healthy either. So I think that I am more about the feminine soul and the feminine voice and what that looks like. Uh, because I, you know, I don't feel that we celebrate one gender to the expense of the other. We shouldn't celebrate men 
at the expense of women or celebrate women at the expense of men. And gender is created to express God's image in this earth, male and female. And what we've done is we've mishandled it, and the culture has responded by blending the genders. So what do we do then? How do we react as women? How, what's an appropriate, honourable way to react when our leaders, maybe it's church leaders or heads of state, authority figures in general, when they're not encouraging the general public and men to respect or they're not encouraging fairness for women? Because this is an issue particularly politically that we've seen a lot recently uh, where political figures have been speaking down to women or whatever it is. Like, how, how should I react as a person? What would be a, a really biblical or good way to do that? Well, it's, it's not going it, to, this would be my vantage on this. You know, when we've all been spoken down to as women, you know, we've, whatever that, that realm is, whether it's in the church, whether it's in politics, whether it's in the business world, whatever it is. But when you go down to their level and demand that you be respected just merely because you're a woman, I think that we end up um, playing their game. You know, the Bible says, answer not a fool according to their folly, lest they think they're wise in their own eyes. I think actually becoming exceptional at what we do and creating opportunities for women outside of what the world isn't, they're saying, hey, you can't play our game. We'll say, you know what, that's just, I'm not going to force my way in. I'm just going to set a new table. I'm going to just create opportunities for women in other settings. And here's, you know, like we're in America right now, we're seeing a lot of women coming together and rally about being victims. Well, I think we could come together and rally about being valuable and somehow make it so compelling that they want us to be at the table. And I know that sounds a little frustrating in the way I'm doing it, but here, here's the thing. When John and I first started our ministry, we, you know, we're on our, we have a board, we're a nonprofit that we answer to, and we started it as John Bevere Ministries just because it was an LLC. And then when we switched over to nonprofit, I really wanted to change the name of the organization from a name of an individual to the name of the mandate. And I wanted to change it to Messenger International. And when I went to our board and I said, hey, you know, I really think we, you know, now we're established what we do, let's change it now to Messenger International. You know what I got back from my board that was my board at the time? They said things like, why, are you ashamed to label un- labor under your husband's name? Wow. You know, they kind of looked at John like, you need to get your wife on a leash. What's going on? And I was thinking legacy. I was thinking mandate. Mm. I was thinking bigger. And for three years, Deanna, I brought it up at every single board meeting. And for three years, people made it about me. Like, what was wrong with me? Wasn't I happy to have John's name over my name? You know, and and I was like, I'm not putting my name out there. What's wrong? And then on the fourth year, and it might have been even the fifth year, uh, an accountant came to the table, and he was like, hey, uh, guys, I really think that we need to change the name of the organization from John uh, John Bevere Ministries to Messenger International. And everybody said, that's a great idea. <laughs> and I can't even I can't even tell you what happened. Oh. I mean like you know when you're so upset like yeah. you get like you start shaking inside and your face turns hot and I was just about ready to stand up and say, "Really? Are you serious? Somebody comes in from the outside. I have been part of this since the beginning and now you think it's a good idea, but when I did it you made it about my character." And before I could open my mouth, Deanna, I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't say a word. 
You got what you wanted. It didn't come how you wanted, but here's the thing. You got what you wanted. And so years later, I, I was you know, able to wrap that around, and we have a new board now that would never treat us like that. But if I had fought, it made it look like it was just about my personal validation instead of a bigger dynamic. And so I think sometimes we need to not let them make it about us individually and move beyond what God has entrusted us with, whether that's the ability to innovate, the ability to lead, the ability to preach, the ability to write. You know, I I also had to actually get a different uh, agent than my husband because all of the publishers saw John as the big person and me as an accessory. Like, it, I was like the bonus, like a gift with purchase. And John was the purchase and I was the gift. And, and so we, you know, I finally, John said, I don't like you being treated like that. So we just said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go with a different agent and we're going to go with different publishers. And it made all of the difference. And so I think sometimes there's a strategy that we miss when we're so upset about the way we're being mistreated. And it's not right, it's not fair, but our answer isn't going to come from people. It's going to come from God. A promotion doesn't come from the east, the west, or the south. It comes from the north. It comes from God Most High. And so, again, I think this is a time to be very strategic, but also wise and uh, mindful. So we're as harmless as doves and as wise and crafty as serpents when this dynamic comes into play. Well, I just feel like, I mean, we're just starting to unpack a few things, but unfortunately we have to close. So before we do, uh, just briefly, what are you hoping or what would you, what would you, what would be your wish for millennial women of today to keep in mind? We can stress about this, that, and the other, that when we're slightly further along in our journey, we can look back and go, why did I stress about all that unnecessary stuff? What advice or thoughts would you pass on to millennial women today? Just briefly. Get an older woman in your life because she's going to help remind you of what's funny because it's not going to feel funny certain things right now and that you will never regret sacrificing career for relationships. Sometimes there are things that seem so important right now that you're going to look back and wish that you actually had made different moves. I, I had a job offer when I was a young girl that I chose not to take so that I could actually be a, a full-time mother. And I ended up writing during that season, and everything I thought I had given up actually came back to me five years later in such a greater strength. And so I would really get an older woman who can talk to you about the seasons of life and how to make intentional, intimate connections with your kids and your husband and your female friends. Because right now we have a world overrun with comparison and competition. And even though people have more access to one another's lives, they have less intimacy than they've ever had before. That's all such great advice. I'll be picking out a lot of that myself. Thank you so much for your time, Lisa. Thank you, Deanna. A huge thanks to Lisa Bevere for joining me in conversation this week. The conversation was a little shorter than we're used to, but that's okay. Five minutes with Lisa Bevere, and I always walk away with a head full of new ideas, inspiration, and real empowerment. Hopefully you feel the same. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe so you don't miss more Hide of Heart podcasts to come. 